You are listening to the Call to Action podcast, where we aim to inspire, educate, and inform entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. James J.C. Kelly is the author of Nemo's World, which is a part of the anthology 20,000 Leagues Remembered. He was born and raised in Southside Chicago and served eight years in the U.S. Marine Corps, including tours in Afghanistan and Iraq after September 11th. James says the geek in him is happy to say that he has 15 years in the field of information technology. James J.C. Kelly has been writing stories since his young fingers learned how to hold a pencil and tablets were fantasy devices unique to Star Trek The Next Generation. He is happily married and a proud father. As a father to five children, he wants to weave together stories enriched by his life's experiences and cast women in a powerful light. Doing so, he seeks to give his daughters and others, male or female, dynamic examples of heroines who changed the world. Listen in as he shares experiences from his childhood that inspired him to write, his experience in the U.S. Marines, and helpful information for aspiring writers. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 28 of the Call to Action podcast. I am your host, Shantae, and today we are having a fireside chat with the author of Nemo's World, which is part of the anthology 20,000 Leagues Remembered and is published by Pole to Pole Publishing. And his name is James J.C. Kelly. Now, before we bring our guest on to the show, I would like to share a little bit of information about last week's episode, as well as share today's inspirational quote. If you missed episode 27 of the Call to Action podcast, as always, it is a must listen. I had the opportunity to have a fireside chat with the founder of Grow Class. Her name is Sarah Stockdale. During the show, she shared great information for entrepreneurs as well as information about what inspired her to start her own business. Make sure to go and check it out at ctamarketing.biz. Click on podcast on the main menu to access that podcast as well as past episodes. Here is today's inspirational quote for episode 28 of the Call to Action podcast. This is from John Muir, and I just thought this was really appropriate. So here's the quote. The power of imagination makes us infinite. I'm going to repeat that one more time. The power of imagination makes us infinite. So again, I thought that was appropriate for today's show because our guest is a writer of science fiction. So I am ready to bring on our author. As mentioned in the intro, we have author James J.C. Kelly, and he is the author of Nemo's World, which again is a part of the anthology 20,000 Leagues Remembered. During today's fireside chat, James is going to share information about his story as well as other helpful information for writers 
here with us on the Call to Action podcast. So please join me in welcoming James to the show. Hi, James, and welcome to the Call to Action podcast. How hello, are hello, you today? Lady. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am good. I am good. So thank you for being here with me today as a guest on the show. And, uh, you know, James, you know, the icebreaker is coming, buddy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so share your superpower with the audience today. I would have to say my superpower is being able to look back at events um, and just analyze them from multiple points of view. And it's probably not unique to me as an author, but um, I think coming from the community and the house and the environment I grew up in, I think it's a, it's a, it's a superpower. It's empowered me to get to where I am today. James, thank you again for sharing your superpower with us and that ability that you have to just look back and analyze situations. I think that's awesome. (laughs) And (laughs) yes. And also, so now let's talk more about your writing and share with us. When did you know that you wanted to write? I think it was early on when I was a kid, you know, the youngest of 14, um, you know, siblings and so I was often left on my own <laughs> to entertain myself because, <laughs> you know, my older brothers and sisters, you know, there was a gap between us. And um, they would always tell stories about stuff that used to go on in the house and particularly in the basement where their rooms were. And, um, you know, you would hear noises like doors closing and things like that. And, you know, me being a kid, I would not go investigate because, you know, if it's in the basement, I'm staying upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, with the, with the stories they would tell, I was like, man, I wish I had my own stories. And, you know, one day I just clicked that, you know, like I have this imagination from watching Muppet Babies, you know, like, yeah, I got imagination too. I can write this stuff down. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm telling my age when I said Muppet Babies came. Right, you did. <laughs> um, so, you know, I started writing. I started writing back then, you know, getting the thoughts that were in my head down on paper. So I think it's a, uh, the house I grew up in and and uh, my my unique family situation. That is so cool. So wait, 14? You're the youngest of 14 siblings? Youngest of 14. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay, so James, being the youngest of 14 children, did your older siblings in any way inspire or have anything to do with you becoming a writer? Uh, well, yes. Actually, my oldest brother, um, my name, the JC in my name is actually a, a tribute to him. His name was uh, James Carlos Kelly. And um, if it weren't for him, actually, I, I probably wouldn't be a writer at all. Um, or, you know, at least I, I wouldn't call myself a, a good writer. I'm not bad. I just don't want to sound, uh, you know, overconfident. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I wouldn't be writing. I don't think I would have been able to write any stories worth publishing if it weren't for him. Um, he uh, He kind of took me under his wing. And he worked at a radio station and at the age of like eight or nine, he, he had me up at the radio station and I was working the, the board and I was, uh, you know, playing the music and just doing everything out. And, and it, early on, it kind of made me realize I can, you know, I'm able to do every anything and everything, you know, because, um, uh, you know, inner city kid listening to the radio is like the radio's something probably you would never be able to do. 
and to be doing it right. at eight years old, um, you know, it, it, it was <laughs> eye opening. And he was also a, a Boy Scout master. So he got me into the Boy Scouts and then we went camping and, you know, that got me familiar with outdoors and then going to the movies. He took me to the movies and, and to play arcade games. Like basically, um, my, by the time I came around as the 14th kid, my father was tired. <laughs> understandably, understandably, so right. uh, you know, big brother stepped yeah. up, and you know, because of what I did in the Boy Scouts and the inspiration I got, realizing I can do whatever I wanted to. My father was in the military, and so I, you know, I got the confidence to join the Marine Corps, and then in the Marine Corps, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, coming if you can imagine growing up on the South Side of Chicago. Let me set the scene for you. Um, okay, let's set it up. Set it up. Okay. So you know, you walk out your door every day, and on the south side of Chicago, you, you see a lot of light faces. You know, it's like uh, blocks and blocks of African Americans and that culture, and that just being totally emerged in that environment. Um, you know, that becomes your world. So you might watch public broadcasting and Sesame Street and see all these different things going on in the world, but it doesn't really apply to you. You know, you you walk out mm-hmm. the door and you see what you see. And um, a lot of people <laughs> laugh when I say this, but until I was 18, I had never held a conversation with someone my own age that wasn't of my own ethnicity, you know? Um, wow. And, you know, other than like teachers and, you know, yeah. professional types that come in, and but they go back home to their neighborhoods. You know, I never had a conversation with another eight-year-old Hispanic or white person, anything like that. So all the beliefs that, I had were just made up of South Side of Chicago, inner city, African-American kid. And, you know, uh, when I went to boot camp, <laughs> it was me in a platoon of like 70, I think it started off as, and I was one of three black people. And I had, um, you know, and <laughs> to give some more background about that, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to talk because you have to actually kind of learn how to, how to be social with other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, in high school, I had honors classes and AP courses and, but to survive in high school and, and my, one of my friends once told me, cause I used to get picked on. Hey, um, you know, you get picked on because you're always smiling. You're always happy. If you look upset, you know, angry, people won't bother you. And, you know, and, and I'm swear I'm going to tie this all together, <laughs> but I tried that. <laughs> and, you know, the fact that I was on a football team and I, I hung out with the more popular people and still to get picked on, it was like, well, what am I, you know, what's going on? And, um, but once I started doing that, you know, I started fitting in better. I didn't get picked on. Um, I'm not the smallest of people, <laughs> you, I, <laughs> I, you know, being on a football team, lifting weights and stuff. So once I started looking angry, people leave you alone and, you know, people start talking to you. Um, and carrying that mentality of surviving on the south side of Chicago to boot camp where, you know, it's it's more um, dynamic culturally. People see an angry big black guy and it's like, oh, let's back away. <laughs> <laughs> and a drill instructor pointed it out and um, he came and said, you know, you, you're having such a hard time. And I had a hard time at boot camp early on because your demeanor. Um, you just always look angry and like nothing's bothering you. And, you know, for all my honors classes and AP classes, you know, to pick on Chicago public schools for the life of me, I did not know what demeanor meant. Uh, mm. <laughs> and, and he must have saw the deer in the headlights look and said, okay, well, you are, your body language. And so 
it didn't click till after I got out the military and I was talking again to my older brother and um and he kind of he kind of broke it down and said that um you know up until that point you know you hadn't been exposed to everything and you were just thinking of how do you survive in the inner city and but now you have a bigger world to look at and and that's when I really started looking back at everything from early on uh f- from how I grew up to what I was exposed to and the, the hardships I suffered trying to become a more uh, diverse individual socially so you know now you know now I go to the south side with a different set of eyes you know I mm-hmm. see that there's a bubble there and because of that that you know that also inspires what I write you know there's not a lot of uh African Americans in lead roles in movies or books and especially sci-fi um mm-hmm. and that's why I write what I write how I write you know um I put African Americans in lead roles in, in my stories and and with other minorities and I and because there's not a lot of us out there and I think uh and I and I do that to show that whoever reading it if it's a young kid reading my book they can say yeah you know this person has hair like me it looks like me and they're going on this fantastical journey <laughs> that I would never thought that I right. you know I'd be part of so I'm inspired by my brother and just all that I've been through in life up to this point to write my stories the way I write them I hope that answers your question I hope I tied all that together <laughs> that was yeah that was interesting. Like I'm just sitting here visualizing like you in Chicago and your childhood and growing up with a family of 14 and then seeing what you were seeing growing up and then going to the military. And I don't know if I told you this before, but I'm also a veteran. Um, I was in the Air Force, so it's a little different than Marines. Uh-oh, I got stories about Air Force people. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. Thank you for your service, too. You know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. But yeah, so. Uh, different i'm sure totally different between air force and marines but we we both went through basic training so yeah. i can't say that yes i'm sure it was different we probably had air conditioning and you guys did not i, I don't know i don't know <laughs> i got a funny story about that so you know what go ahead and share that funny story James. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what you got okay. what you got so uh right after september 11th after we were pulling out of afghanistan after took over camp kandahar and the unit i was attached to was pulling out of there and other um armed forces were coming in, you know, uh, the guys were in fighting holes and, um, you know, eating MREs. When we first got Mm. there, we didn't have proper cold weather gear. But when we were leaving, Air Force was flying in shower houses and vending machines. (laughs) (laughs) And we're looking like, really? (laughs) So that's the difference between the Marine Corps and the Air Force. And that's how I see it, you know. You know, I'm going to agree with you. It probably was like that there. <laughs> I'm not bitter or anything, you know. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> well, I, I didn't go and fight the war in Afghanistan, but but yeah. So I, I back to the the whole basic training. Yes, we both experienced basic training. Right. Um, but but yeah, I mean it's different and it is diverse. The culture is diverse than I'm sure what a lot of us were used to. We were growing up in our neighborhoods and and going to school and then being exposed to a totally different world. Actually, I think that it's a good thing that we had the opportunity to do that. But I also think that others on all sides 
should have that opportunity because it gets you to get to know truths about other people, not just what you are told about other people. So that's my opinion on, you know, when you're in environments like that, when you're meeting new people from different places and and sometimes depending on where you served in the military, I mean, you, you meet people from different countries. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it just helps to make people more well-rounded and um, expands just their mind and their horizons just overall. I, that's my, my, my view on that, but yeah. Yeah. As long as you're willing to look at, you know, have an open mind about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 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 So let me ask you this. So about your, like your recent work, tell us about your story. Tell us about Nemo's world. Well, in the, well, Nemo's world is based off the book, uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea. And in that original book, um, the captain Nemo, he was writing down his, um, his autobiography and he said he wanted to put it in a capsule and send it out on the water and wherever it ends up, it ends up and whoever reads about the story gets it. And, um, so my story takes place in the present time, present day, and mm-hmm. a trio of scientists stumble upon it, um, two women, Dr. Bernadetta Johnson and her daughter, Olivia Johnson. They stumble upon it during a dig in East Africa, and they mm-hmm. go to another colleague and say, hey, we found this, and it basically hints at things that Nemo found while he was traveling around the world. Um lands below the earth and visitors from above. So that's kind of, it just picks up where Nemo's life story left off. Oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, cool. James, you have shared like some wonderful, wonderful information about yourself, your family, and just what inspires you. So now that we've talked about that, let's talk more about um, what advice would you give for other upcoming or aspiring authors? Um, I can't give the advice most meaningful to me. I had to realize that... Um, even though I had this great story in my head, I probably wasn't the best person to tell it. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and I'm speaking about my my first novel. Um, I've worked on it for like five years and it's still not published. And that's because um, I, I would set it down and I would come back and reread it after I, you know, continued to write in the, in the interim. And I, I was like, wow, I could word this a lot better or just, this is confusing even to me, and I wrote it. <laughs> so I went out and I got, <laughs> I got a, uh, I got a mentor, and um, and, and I, I kept getting working on the craft until now. I look back at some of my first edits and said, "Wow, you know, I came a long way." Um, so I guess my advice would be, um, develop a thick skin <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and realize that. You might want to write, but you might not be the best writer or at least as good as you think you are and never be too arrogant or proud to say, I might need help or I might, what someone told me about my writing might be true. Um, 
because when you go to start getting published, you're going to get a lot of no's and you know, you can either take it personally and the whole world can, the whole world can be your enemy and say, nobody knows what they're talking about. I'm awesome. Or you can say, well, okay, if everybody's saying the same thing, maybe it's me. And, you know, and if you work and work and, and everybody's saying your work is great, maybe you should self-publish. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I think that's my advice is you're going to get no's. Don't let it, you know, get you down. Just ask yourself, could I be better? And the answer is probably yes. Okay. Okay. That's good advice. That's good advice. And I like the fact that you're saying, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, so right. yeah, that's that's a plus too. I think sometimes we get caught up in our work and we don't want to. We're like, wait, this is perfect. I wrote it. You know, a part of you feels that way. It's like right. this is your baby. You <laughs> created it. It is perfect. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it is perfect. But yeah. but you're others looking at it too, and they're probably going to have opinions. So, but right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and sometimes their opinion is good. Like you can phrase this better to give it more impact. And you think, well. It's, it's, I like the way I wrote it, but you know, it, it doesn't give the punch that it needs, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, there are different ways to write. So just be willing to understand you might not be as good as you think you are. Okay. Good advice. Well, good to know. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, one more question I have is about marketing your book. So, by how do you market your book? Just kind of just share whatever you want to share about that so we can help the other writers. Um, well, social media, um, I can't say enough about that. <laughs> you know, you uh, you put it on, mm-hmm. add on social media and build up your base. Uh, like I went on a Twitter campaign to, you know, get followers. So when I did get finally got published, I, I put it out there and people would, you know, be interested or at least be aware of it. That's that's free. Facebook, things like that, and and podcasts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, so a lot of things like that. I haven't really went beyond that because uh, this particular story is part of an anthology, and um, so you know, this is my attempt to market it as much as possible um, without you know breaking the bank. And I do have so, one more bit of advice. Yeah. Uh, speaking sure. of Twitter. You know, there's a writing community, hashtag writing community on Twitter. That's how I met you, um, how how we met. Oh, yes. And, you know, there's a lot of other writers going through similar things. So if you find yourself in a rut, look up hashtag writing community on Twitter and, um, you know, find the support you need. You'll find people who will help you out in your journey. Yeah, that's very good advice, James. That is how we met. Yes. And there's a lot of people on that writing community. And they're very supportive, very supportive. Actually, all the guests on my show have found me through Twitter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because of the writing community. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, all except for one, but no, that, that was good. Yeah. 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 So, and, um, cause you know, when you write, you're normally by yourself anyway. So, uh, it leaves me sometimes it feels like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm the writer and I'm stuck in my rut and no one understands. And you, you know, you go there and it's like, Oh, everybody's going through this. So I'm not special. Then I don't feel so bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it helps when you know that others are going through that with yeah. you. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So, James, can you share with the audience where they can find the book 20,000 Leagues Remembered? 
20,000 Leagues Remembered. You can find it on Amazon. I think it's Vivo. And, and you can just Google it. Power of Google. <laughs> 20,000 old <laughs> polls, 20,000 Leagues Remembered. Um, you can also just Google my name, James J.C. Kelly on Amazon. And it'll pop up somewhere in the listing. And you'll be able to find it that way. It's available on uh, Kindle and a couple other platforms. Cool. Now, you mentioned social media. So where can we find you on social media? On Twitter, I'm J- at James J.C. Kelly. Um, uh, you can find me on Facebook, James J.C. Kelly. Not to be too redundant, but uh, I hear that's, that's a good thing with marketing. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, <laughs> uh, and those are uh, primarily the two that I use uh, if you want. You can email me at uh, author James JC Kelly at, at Gmail, and that that's pretty much it. That's those, that's how you get in contact with me. Great. So James, you definitely have lots of experiences. You've shared some really good information. And what I want to know before we end the show is: Do you have any last words of wisdom to leave with the listeners? <laughs> uh, last <laughs> words of wisdom. Well, my last bit of advice is probably something I said already. Um, just never be scared to ask for help or advice. And always know that you can only improve. And to improve, you need to know where you are. So find people who you value their opinion and let them look at your work. And if if they say there's something better there or it could be done better, listen to them. And um, you're never going to be at your best every day you're going to be better so if you're getting bad reviews now or somebody doesn't like a story or doesn't like something you did you know you can either ignore them or just say how can i really get better or is what they're saying um, valid if there's any inkling that you could be better then it's probably true so try to always make yourself better and don't be scared of criticism wow thank you that was good that was very good so I just want to thank you, James, for being a guest on the Call to Action podcast. I really enjoyed doing the show with you, and I hope that you enjoyed doing the fireside chat with me as well. It was fun. I was nervous at first, but I kind of, you know, I got to talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Again, I appreciate you, and I do appreciate you being on the show with me and sharing your story. And for everyone else, I want to thank you all for listening and to remember that the power of imagination makes us infinite. Again, everyone, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the rest of your day. And until next time. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Call to Action podcast. Make sure to visit me at ctamarketing.biz. There you can find articles for entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. Until next time.